Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Welcome to episode 16. Today we're going to talk about the fear of grief triggers and Lynn Breeden and I are still together talking about the fears we have after losing a child. Lynn has been a pastor for how many years? Um, 12 years, I think. Okay, 12 years. Your church is in Bremen? It is. Indiana? Yes, Bremen, Indiana. And before, you were like in two time zones. That just I always... <laughs> you lived yes. in one time zone and your church was in the other time zone? Yes, I lived in Mentone at that time and my church was in Laporte. So it was an hour earlier. Yeah, I was on fast time. They were on slow time. Uh-huh. And in my office, I had two clocks, um, Lamb's time. My church was Lamb's Chapel and, and home. So I always could kind of figure out when I'm going back, what time I have to leave. And uh, it was confusing. So yes, it's nice I, to not be in that yes. anymore. That is nice. <laughs> I feel like you're yes. 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 Now, during was it while you were at Lamb's Chapel or was it before you did start a ministry, morning to while. dancing? It was while I was there. Okay. I had all already done a lot of ministry just I had encountered families mothers specifically that had lost children but I created the uh, morning to dancing ministry while I was at Lamb's Chapel okay and God just kept bringing moms to you who had lost children <laughs> he did yeah and that that tends to happen no matter what I have a girlfriend that had breast cancer um, several years ago and you know every time we talk she's got one more person that she, you know has approached her mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of the journey we're on that's God you know God brings those people to us and yeah there was a predominant amount of um, families that had lost children that came to Mm -hmm. Lambs. And then you also had some grief support groups that met in the hospital there? We did. We did. At the LaPorte Hospital, we met um, every week. And um, we were doing that probably about a year. And we had a grief support group um, uh, in this Warsaw area um, as well. So I had two that were were going back and forth. So yeah, they um, they were good. They were good. It was mm-hmm. it was a good um, place to be for that time. When I took over um, being the pastor in Bremen, that became a pretty full time um, job. So um, some of those grief groups kind of went by the wayside. Um, but I'm still in contact with many of those um, those women, those moms. So mm-hmm. it and it's a still a calling that you have. Absolutely. Yes. It is absolutely so it's a just the season of what that looks like in your life has it changed is. a little bit. It changes. Bit. Yeah, it changes mm-hmm. as we go. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about those grief triggers. Mm-hmm. And we know some of them we can expect. Mm-hmm. And some of them come out of the blue. And I think about especially in those early years when we finally like make ourselves go out in public. Mm-hmm. We finally make ourselves make that trip to the grocery store, that kind of a thing. And we can just get hit out of the blue, like seeing our child's favorite cereal. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, we've just lost it. And our shopping cart stays there, and we're gone. That's true. We just just get hit. And I, I remember one time thinking... Why don't I see more people bawling in the store? <laughs> Am I the only one that has these these stupid grief triggers that just all of a sudden the tears start running and do I stay? Do I go? What do I do with it? So do you remember having any specific grief triggers? I do. I, I remember early on 
Joel was at Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis um, for two months, and many people were praying for us. And it went kind of beyond my own sphere. There were so many beyond who I even knew. It was a small community, and so people knew about it and, and were praying for him. And I can remember going to the store and somebody came up to me they were so excited to see me and um how is joel is he you know he must be doing better if you're home and um it was that that moment where i'm i mean i it it was really fresh for me so it hadn't been that long and um just kind of hearing his name at that time you know was a trigger Mm. in itself and also knowing that i have to tell this Mm. poor person that my child died and figure out how I mean because they're going to respond and they're going to feel horrible that they said anything and um, I did and and you're you you kind of flip sides and you know you're comforting Mm -hmm. them because this is a fresh information for them and I at least have had a few months of this you know and so those kind of things happened they they happened several times you know after Joel had died there are so many, you know, I, I, I worked at a youth league, you know, I did the concessions um, while my boys played. And I can remember one time a young boy came up and for whatever reason, I thought he looked just like Joel. You know, he was probably the same, the age Joel mm-hmm. would have been if he had lived. And it was probably at least two years after. And I mean, I, I literally had to leave the concession stand. I was so caught up in the emotion of, Joel's gone just again. Rattled. You know, yeah. I mean, it just really shakes you. As you move into this journey, there aren't as many triggers, I think, as there used to be. You know, seeing his favorite cereal doesn't rattle me anymore. <laughs> like, um, you're because you're mm-hmm. right. You know, all of that does everything does at mm-hmm. the beginning. But I, as a pastor, I I go to like continuing education sort of things, and I happened to be in Kentucky at a class that was a week long, and I had the opportunity one of the guys in my class sings and and he was going to do a concert at a local church and I thought oh you know what that's nice it'll kind of take the time for that evening and so I went with a couple friends from there that knew me but not very well and I thought it was just going to be a nice evening and um, as he started singing he started telling his testimony and and he had um, lost a child at the age of 10 to an accident he starts telling his story and and he's singing songs about his journey and of course i it hit me completely blindsided mm. by this i had no idea mm. i'd never listened to his music before and i'm thinking okay i i can do this you know mm-hmm. i mean it, this is a beautiful story and he's he's very eloquent and so i'm listening and the first song i was fine i got through and the second song came and it was the what if kind of things oh. you know we always do that i should have i could have um, if i would have done this and he had a lot of that in his story mm. and so he wrote this song about it well i'm you know, we're doing this self-talk, like I can do this, Mm -hmm. I got this, and I'm sitting amongst people who don't really know me. A couple of people might have known that I'd lost a child, but you're kind of, and I'm listening, and now I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be okay. Mm. I mean, I I, he's already triggered Mm -hmm. a couple of things, and I know I'm not going to be okay. Tears are starting to flow, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, do I stay and make other people uncomfortable because they don't know what's wrong with me, Uh or do I excuse myself, and I chose to excuse myself, so I left, and I sat right outside the sanctuary I could still hear him and I just cried I mean Mm. I like (laughs) kind of cried you know Mm -hmm. I mean and it took me right back to the first beginning Mm. and 
I know everybody understands this listening to this yes. because you're in this place of if I allow myself, I'm going to go over yes. the edge and I don't know when I'll be able to come back. Mm-hmm. And you don't have that quite as much the longer you go in this journey. That doesn't happen as often as it does in the beginning of the journey. But I was there. I mean, he took me straight there mm. with this song. And I had to decide, am I going to go over the edge? And uh-huh. I'm crying. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. really upset. Nobody there knows me. So there's no comfort <laughs> from right. anybody, right? Nobody even knows. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably thought I just had to go to the bathroom. But mm-hmm. I had to make the decision I'm not in a safe place to go over the edge. Uh-huh. And so I had to pull myself back in and I did. And his song ended and um, I went to the bathroom and dried my eyes like I've done a million <laughs> times in my life. And yeah. we all understand that too. Um, but I did not see that coming. And as many years as I've been on this, I didn't think something like that could trigger me to go over the edge. And I really, if I didn't have the control of many years, I would have gone over the edge. And I mean, back in the day, I didn't know when I'd come back. Sometimes it was days, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes it wasn't as long. And that was scary for mm-hmm. me. It was that realization that this grief is so powerful that something like that could trigger it. And it's a... It's an out of control kind of feeling mm-hmm. that nobody likes. Right. And that it was scary to me. I I had to process that a while after that because I really thought I was kind of past that, you know, mm-hmm. other than Mother's Day and this in the sanctity mm-hmm. and comfort of my own home. Right, right. But not in a place that I was not in control and it wasn't safe. And that was that was pretty scary. So I did process that and um the truth is I I don't have control <laughs> you know I mean I'd like to <laughs> say I process that it, and right? now I know what to do about that and now no, I'm fine yeah <laughs> yeah no I'm not and I know we live in this place that we don't know what's coming next and anything can trigger that and that's, and that's scary that's really scary I mean it is a huge fear but I also know that God was right there with me I wasn't in a safe place other than I was in a church mm-hmm. and there, people would have right, been right. so kind to me of course if <laughs> they knew but I wasn't in a place where I was surrounded by the people that I know and yes. love and that would know what to do with yes. me you know and I mean, would get it people. and could yes you know it's Lindy different. was many That's miles different. away from me and he's mm-hmm. he's my comfort he's yes. the one that I know can can walk me back out or cry mm-hmm. with me until I'm dry you right. know so I knew that God was with me in that, and and I'm sure that's part of what brought me back, you know, from, to a, a place. But yeah, it's it is a scary thing. It mm-hmm. really is. And I thought I was beyond that. <laughs> and I so, wasn't. so that's actually a good thing. I know sometimes you think hearing these things, it feels like, oh my goodness, that's horrible. But once again, it's a perspective. It's like that's a good thing because when that happens to me, not if, but when I find that happening to me at some point, I can think. I'm okay because that happened to Lynn, <laughs> and she and she was a lot further in this than I was. So in that sense, we can see it as a comfort, not as something to fear, mm-hmm. right. Right. <laughs> but something that's a comfort that it's normal. You're okay when that happens. Years and years and years down the road, yes. you're okay. I and I was okay, and I I. I did have the comforts of I was in a church, mm-hmm. you know, I was listening to this beautiful man sing a beautiful song about the things that we all experience. And it triggered that, but it wasn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a good thing. And and I did know that I can't come back. I was kind of surprised that I actually could say, no, I can't go over that edge. Uh-huh. And I didn't. 
And I was kind of surprised as I processed it. I, I thought, well, that's kind of a good thing, you know, mm. that, you know, 20 years ago, I couldn't have done that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just would have fallen over the edge and figured out how to get back, you know, it, when I when my tears were dry again, if that happened. But um, but God was in the middle of all that, and I could feel that, mm-hmm. um, that I, I wasn't alone, even though I said repeatedly through my story, I was alone, I was not in a safe place. I mean, all those things mm-hmm. are the things I felt. Yet when you look around, I was in a safe place, and mm-hmm. I, I wasn't alone, mm-hmm. and I was okay. I did make it to the bathroom and dried my mm-hmm. eyes, and I walked back in there, and I listened to the rest of his concert. Mm-hmm. And the friend that was with me, she kind of probably saw my red eyes, and, mm-hmm. and you know, she put her arm around me, and I was good. It was it was fine. And mm-hmm. I bought his music because oh. I thought, you know, I, okay. I need... Mm-hmm. I loved his story, and I need to be able to hear that again in the right. privacy of my own home where right. I could, and I did, and it was good. So you're mm-hmm. right. It is a good thing. Yeah, and I, as strange as it sounds, to remind us of the gift of our brokenness, mm-hmm. of how we still need God in the midst of this brokenness. We're that's never right. going to not need him, and that's actually a gift. You know, break my heart for what breaks yours, you know, yeah. and I think of that often when my heart does break and I think you know these are the things God I mean there's no doubt in my mind Jesus was crying right there with me Mm -hmm. he felt my broken heart he knew and and Mm -hmm. God knows how that feels Mm -hmm. and so he was right there in it with me you know and there's comfort in that just like the comfort of the scripture about Jesus being you know there's comfort for us in that because he got it yes yes (laughs) he wasn't um immune to those feelings and that that going over the edge you know he when felt, it says he felt what we feel he it's does true. Mm-hmm. I mean he felt for them he yes. knew what they were grieving and he understood mm-hmm. it and his heart broke for what was breaking theirs and so mm-hmm. there that goes both ways you know and I, I there's comfort in that for us yes yeah really I, I talk about how I think it's Psalm 35 that talks about he captures our tears in a bottle and I I say we're going to have some of the biggest bottles in heaven our bottles are going to be huge Huge. (laughs) because of all the tears that he's captured but that's a precious thought it is a precious thought that our tears touch him to the depth that he would save them Mm -hmm. they're just so meaningful to him and so precious to him It's so sweet. And I love those scriptures that reveal his vulnerability as well. Mm -hmm. You know, that he loves and he cares about what we care about. Yeah. And when we hurt, he hurts just like a parent when we see our child hurting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We feel that deeply and he feels it the same way. And Mm -hmm. that's comforting Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. You were talking about, it was interesting as you were talking that it was the song that Mm -hmm. really triggered something because even when I did children's ministry, I would teach about how music is a pathway to the soul. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the music is what can trigger it, and it's also what can bring healing. Because it is. God designed music to yes. be a pathway to our soul. And it's also interesting how sometimes I can hear the exact same song on the radio, and I have to turn it off. I can't go there right now. Mm-hmm. And other times I'll hear that same song, and I'll just crank it up and sing it, sing right along with it. It's so true. We just don't know. It's so true. And there's so many songs that are written, you know, Mm. about our grief. Mm -hmm. And the one that always gets me, you know, is who you'd be today. Um, And it's a, 
you know, obviously a secular song, but it 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 hits me mm-hmm. on this end of the journey yes. because now I'm surrounded by a family that are grown and have wives and children, and I long to know who would he be mm-hmm. today. And that song triggered that. And yeah. I have this beautiful picture of the very first time I heard that song. My son, uh, Mark, uh, had come in and said, Mom, you have to hear this song. And we listened to the video. We watched it okay. together, and Lindy captured the picture of the two oh. of us. Us, wow. with tears rolling down our face and music is a it's it's a really powerful tool in opening our emotions and and allowing us to feel what we feel mm-hmm. and that that man's music was beautiful I wish I could think of his name right now but I can't yeah. but anyway well, you'll it was think of beautiful. it later and I'll put it in the show notes okay how's that, that? sounds good yeah <laughs> we'll get it to you because <laughs> everybody's probably wondering yeah now, who yeah. was that <laughs> So one of the things that I think we can think about is we can feel embarrassed about our grief or we can see it as something very sacred. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when we're with people in a public setting, we tend to just want to whisk ourselves away and not mm-hmm. be embarrassed and, and that kind of a thing. But I think there's another option too. Of and, and if that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. Right. Right. And, every no right gonna know, and every moment's going to know, and every moment's going to be different, yes. and, and feeling like, can I take this step out? Will it be okay? But I think to let people in on your sacred moment, mm-hmm. I think is another possible thing to do when you get that grief trigger, and you're with people maybe who kind of sort of know you, maybe don't really know you or whatever, and something triggers it, and you just start crying, to just tell people, I'm thinking about my daughter right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this, whatever this is right here, it made me miss Becca. And so if you don't mind, I'm just going to miss her for a couple of minutes. And just invite people into that sacred place. Because that's also an opportunity for them to honor your child. I agree. And to remember that child with you, even if they never met your child, even if they didn't know you lost a child. Mm-hmm. There's just something... I mean, it's almost like I feel it right now. Mm-hmm. There's just a sacredness there is. of letting people into that moment of grief when it gets triggered. And I, th- I think that's really beautiful. And the vulnerability of that is yes. so beautiful. And I think, you know, in that moment for me, it was that, you know, what am, what am I going to do with mm-hmm. this? You know, and I felt in that moment that I needed to have the privacy of yes. being able to do that. Um, well, because you were also at that edge. You didn't know if you were going to go over the edge. I didn't. And yeah. We, I wasn't willing to let people in mm-hmm. on, on that. And, yes. Um, but there have been many times, you know, that that's exactly what we do. And, mm-hmm. you know, with my nieces on Mother's Day, you know, they they entered into that with me. And I don't think they realized, you know, they're in their young lives, the, how that looks. And I think that was, um, it was healthy for them to to be part of that with me and but I I think yeah you know I mean that it's just what you're feeling in the moment and it is hard to be vulnerable you know it's very mm-hmm. hard to do that mm-hmm. and um, but I think it's really powerful when you are I think it mm-hmm. gives people an inner part of who you are and um, yeah I think it does honor our child you know yeah. for them to be able to see that yeah I had a I wasn't I didn't have this in my notes to bring up, but uh, I just had a recent huge grief trigger, mm. <laughs> and that was with the death of my dad. Sure. Which was, we buried him less than two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So this is very fresh. You can yes, tell by my is. voice. Yeah. 
And I knew that he was going to be buried with the boutonniere that he wore for Becca's wedding. Aww. I knew that. But when I walked in and saw that, mm. oh, I mean, it was those gut-level sobs mm-hmm. um, because it was just like losing Becca all over again. And even though I was thrilled for mm-hmm. them, <laughs> you know, course. I know Becca was front and center. She had her grandpa's mansion decorated. She was known for her, you know, decorating and hospitality, and she couldn't do anything little. Everything was big. Mm-hmm. So you knew she was right there waiting for her grandpa to come in. And obviously, being thrilled for him, he just was so ready to be done and yeah. in the presence of the Lord and the rest of his family and everything. But I was not expecting it to hit me that hard. I just was not. Mm-hmm. But when I saw that boutonniere, knowing that he was it at her wedding and then the casket was in the foyer during the visitation then they had everyone go in the sanctuary so that the family could say goodbye before they closed the casket and all of us were just standing there and nobody and I I, I felt that edge again mm-hmm. and I knew I was going to lose it again and I didn't want to do it in front of everybody because the first time I was the first one there. Mm. I had the picture boards and all that, and I didn't know he was going to be in the foyer, and I walked in, and there he was. Mm. And so I just made a beeline to him and lost it. Well, nobody was there, and so I didn't want to lose it again in front of everybody, mm-hmm. my kids, mm-hmm. um, everybody, and but nobody was going forward. So I finally thought, fine, and I once again, I just, I laid my hand on that boutonniere and I just wailed and sobbed again. Mm -hmm. And so it was very surprising Mm -hmm. how deep that trigger was. I was not expecting that. But I think that second time I lost it, I think it turned out to be a good thing, almost in the sense that it's weird. I can't put words to it, but the depth of my grief, I don't think the family understood the depth Unfortunately, and they still can't. can't. Exactly, exactly. And hopefully, they never do. You're listening, audience, and we understand it. And hopefully, they never do understand. But I, it kind of felt like they could see Mm -hmm. a tangible. They got a glimpse. Yes, of the depth world and why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And Um, that's a good thing. Yes. That's a really good thing. Yes. Not that you have to explain anything to anybody, <laughs> right. but it does. Yes. It, it helps for their own. Yep. And, and maybe it's one of those things that you know, okay, there's a death and I'm going to be in it. Right. So I got a right. deal. Um, you know, the I went to a funeral. We went because of a grandparent that worked with Lindy and it was a child. Mm. And um, there were small children. There, It was three boys, which is oh, what boy. I had at that yeah. time. And I avoid the casket because Mm -hmm. I just, that's death. I know that's going to be a trigger. (laughs) I know that's not going to be okay. Uh Um, Because those little guy caskets are are really hard to look at. And and so I avoided that. Well, we came in and I assumed because it was almost time for the funeral Mm -hmm. that there would not be an open casket by that time. Well, Mm -hmm. we get in this line and I'm thinking it's to see family. And as we get closer and we round a corner, I see that there is a casket Uh, there. So now I got to figure out what am I going to do with that? And of course the family's there and it's close to the casket. I've got to walk past the casket. Mm. And so I do, and you know, we're, we're fine. And then we get into the funeral 
and I'm already on the edge. You yeah. know, I mean, I this yes. is really hard. And the funeral was just so beautiful, and it was so well written. And they loved Jesus, but it was mm. excruciating. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I started, of course, I had Lindy with me, you know, so I did have my comfort. <laughs> yes. And so I started crying and I, um, we ended up walk, walking mm. out because it was uh-huh. just too hard. I just, mm. so, you know, sometimes, you know, it's coming, but you don't know the depth of how yes, it's going to feel. Exactly. You think you can handle mm-hmm. it and you get in there. And that was again, just a few years ago. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a journey, you know, sure we're is. on a journey and life happens and it happens to other people and you just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But the the hope is we know who's walking with us. Yes. You know, we yes. know that he gets it. And um, so I, that's a comfort. Mm-hmm. It's a comfort in all of it. And I think that's another reason why it's so important to connect with other parents who are on mm-hmm. this journey. Yes. Just to have other people that say we get it. You know, mm-hmm. like you and I are sitting here talking about this, hopefully because people who are listening mm-hmm will feel like there's somebody else on the journey with me. Yes. yes. And they somebody get else it. understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very much it's so. comfort in that. I know we feel like, especially when that first happens, when we lose our child, our life has come to just a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. And I remember almost feeling angry that people were living their life, shopping and walking down the street and whatever, like nothing had happened. I remember that too. (laughs) It's like, how can you be living your life when my child just died? It just because My world stopped. Why didn't yours? Yeah. But then I remember one time sitting at a stoplight and I'm thinking those kinds of thoughts. And all of a sudden, that whole flip of a switch of the perspective, I looked around because we don't know what's in people's past. We don't know what darkness they faced. I don't mm-hmm. know if that person walking down the street has lost a child mm-hmm. or two mm-hmm. and is now facing cancer. I mean, we just don't know, especially people we just see walking past us. And it suddenly dawned on me, all their lives are going on. I don't know what is in their past, but whatever's in their past, their life hasn't come to a stop. Mm-hmm. And that means that's a good thing. Instead of being angry and upset about it, that's a good thing. I can see that as a a sign that life does go on, Mm -hmm. and I can get to that point too. And I remember a specific time when I was in a cemetery, because I did spend a lot of time there. For me, it it helped me process the reality of Mm -hmm. of, uh, losing Becca. And so I went there a lot. So I would walk around the tombstones and read them and, and all that. So I knew there were kids out there. I knew there were people Becca's age. I knew who was around that area. And I remember one time specifically standing at Becca's grave and just looking out at the cemetery and all these tombstones. And all of a sudden it hit me, every single one of these had a family who loved them and went through this grief. Mm. And somehow all these families made it through, mm-hmm. and somehow I can make it through. Wow. You know, it's just so cool how God speaks to us through yes. different things. And he knows exactly what you needed to mm-hmm. hear, and that revelation for you was comforting. You yes. know, and that, that's, it's just so beautiful how that happens. Mm-hmm. I love how that is. So even in the middle of some of these grief triggers, mm-hmm. there are times that God will just do something in that moment mm-hmm. to make a change on how we think or how we perceive, how we see something, and actually bring a measure of healing mm-hmm. within that grief trigger. Yes. 
as only God can do. <laughs> and in his goodness. In his goodness. That's just how good he is. Yeah. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, by allowing our child to die, mm-hmm. he will, like you said, he will be right there with us. I think that, you know, you touched on it in, a, in an earlier episode that we are so privileged that in this journey that we're on uh, in the loss of our child that we have a closeness with God that Mm -hmm. someone who hasn't felt grief in that kind of way has been able and and they've they've felt God in other ways and I I know that's true but for us in our grief we feel him and it it is a privilege to have been so close to him Mm -hmm. because I couldn't have made it without him and even the days when I wasn't actually saying I love you Jesus (laughs) right (laughs) um but he was there and I can look back on those really dark days and know that he was walking that with me Mm -hmm. I felt him I felt his faithfulness and my devotions were so rich during that time and because of that I've had the presence of mind when I'm counseling with someone or or walking alongside with someone in a crisis that don't waste this crisis Mm -hmm. because this is a time when you are so aware of your need for God. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like the veil is so thin. It is. The veil is so thin. It is. Between you and God. We have such a connection. He's near to the brokenhearted. He is so, um, so close. And so there's, there's a, a beautiful side of this, you know, that we get to see because of our brokenness, Mm -hmm. that um, our devotions are just so rich and in our weakness, we feel his strength. And that's Mm -hmm. a really beautiful thing to be able to hang on to. I I think about some of the parents who are just so angry at God and Mm -hmm. they're stiff arming him Mm -hmm. uh, because he let them down and he didn't, you know, follow through with what we thought he should Right. make good on you know hard, God. yes yes on. yes um yeah. you're not who you say you are and how can you actually love if you let this happen and mm-hmm. that kind of a thing and so I just want to encourage people sometimes we have to forgive God mm-hmm. and before we can trust him we we have to get to the point where we we forgive him for allowing it to happen and just say I I probably won't understand it mm-hmm. but I can't get through this without you right. and just to let people know there is a podcast I'll put the number in the show notes or a link to it I did a whole episode on forgiving God mm-hmm. within the grief of losing your child so if this is a struggle you're having then I suggest you listen to that podcast and and it should help with that because man we need him and we do. and it's so precious the time that we have with him in mm-hmm. that deep deep grief can be so very precious yeah and hear us clearly, you know, when we were in the middle of that dark days, I wasn't communing with God. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know he was there mm-hmm. and I know as yes. I look back, I, I know that there were, that he was absolutely mm-hmm. there in the midst of all of that. And his faithfulness is really evident. But when I was in the darkest mm-hmm. of days, I wasn't feeling that. I, I it, wasn't. It's, isn't it strange? It's so dark, you can't even see his light. Yeah, it, it was just too much. And I'm not, I didn't ever feel angry. Right, I didn't either. God, but a but lot I, of people do. I truly know that those dark days, I, I wasn't, and I, 
there were times when I was angry at people. <laughs> yes. And probably mm-hmm. that was kind of a transference. I couldn't allow myself to be angry at God. So I'm going to be angry at <laughs> uh-huh. um, you right. know, something Blame else. Blame somebody else. Yes. Yeah, because we we're, it's a dark time. Somebody's got to be at fault. Somebody <laughs> has got to be wrong. And I, if I can vent that energy, mm-hmm. even if it's negative energy on something, then somehow I thought I was going to feel better. And I obviously mm-hmm. didn't. <laughs> but, right, right. you know, there's a lot of things going on. And, you know, if you're not feeling God in your darkest of days, know that he is there and his mm-hmm. faithfulness is never going to leave you. But I, I sure didn't feel it in mm-hmm. that moment. Um, it mm-hmm. was too dark. Yeah. Um, but he didn't allow me to to go too far, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's a... Yeah, he's there whether we can feel him or not. He really is true. there. And whether we're mad at him or not, mm-hmm. he's there. He's still there. <laughs> he's yeah. there. He's, he's there. still there. I want to bring up the thought how we each deal with our grief differently. Mm-hmm. And I know some of it can kind of tend to be the lines of men and women, not necessarily, but as mm-hmm. women, we're a lot more emotional. As a whole, a lot of moms were like looking at pictures and, and we're immersing ourselves mm-hmm. in the things that connect us to our child mm-hmm. that we've just lost. Our husbands, as a whole, it's not you know 100%, but no, g- generally, they're the protector. Mm-hmm. And they process the grief. They see us crying and blubbering over all this stuff. And, and their thing is, you're, it's almost like you're causing your own grief triggers. Yeah. Stop doing that. Right. You're doing it to yourself. Stop mm-hmm. it. And they want us to put everything away and get rid of it all and that kind of a thing. To them, those things are a distraction to mm-hmm. process their grief. Mm-hmm. But to us, for me, I needed those things to help me face the reality of it, to mm-hmm. work through that. So I just want to tell people, if that's where you are, it's okay. Because it's not necessarily that you're giving yourself grief triggers because you you, you may have been accused of that. Right. Just stop it. You're doing this to yourself. Mm-hmm. But especially in those early days and months, we some of us need those things because that helps us process the reality of it yes and you know that's all part of stay in your own lane you know that your grief journey is yours and you know as a rule and I I know we can't just compartmentalize Mm -hmm. it and say men Mm -hmm. do this women do this because that isn't always true but in my experience that's exactly Mm -hmm. how my my um husband was as well and he very much internalized everything he would go to a I assume a quiet place the barn usually you know or he would be out in the fields and I I would assume Mm -hmm. because I don't know it Mm -hmm. that that's where he shared his grief but he didn't want to talk about it with me Mm -hmm. because I'm already blubbering and crying and looking at pictures and struggling and he didn't want to trigger any of that for me and Uh so he kept his grief very private and tried not to you know let me see that because he didn't want me Mm -hmm. to hurt I I assume that right um because we we couldn't talk about it together Mm. he he just would not do that with me and so and that's okay you know that was his journey and but it it's really difficult in marriages when Mm -hmm. you're you're living that and you've pushed through mm-hmm. yours and and mm-hmm. you're you're in a good place and mine didn't work out the same way uh-huh. but that 
I've talked to so many couples that that's exactly, yeah. you know, and that they just figured out how to do this together. And once you get past a certain point, it does start getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, much life, mine has been very singular, um, other than my family that has loved me through it. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's so hard, you know, and it, yes. we tend to want to impose our way <laughs> on everybody yes, else. Right, and that right. isn't necessarily mm-hmm. the right no. way to do that. So no. Well, I want to end by encouraging the listeners that quite often the same things that are the grief triggers in the early years will change yes, to be what brings the fond memories mm-hmm. and put a smile and a warmth in your heart mm-hmm. and on your face. Agreed. So just keep pushing through. Mm-hmm. and uh, It does get better. It does get better. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you. It's time for our weekly birthday segment on our podcast, and we have no birthdays. We didn't have any last week either. August is a very light month for birthdays in our group, apparently. If you would like the birthday of your child announced and celebrated with all of our grieving parents sharing hope listeners, I would love to be able to do that. If you go to gpshope.org slash birthdays, there'll be a form there, just a few simple questions so that we have the information we need. And I will add your son or daughter to the birthday segment on the week of their birthday. So I hope you do that. I also hope that you have been listening to and enjoying the last four podcasts that I have done with Pastor Lynn. We still have a couple more podcasts to go with her. If you would like to know how to contact her, you can email her at lynnbreeden at bumchurch.org. We'll also have a link to that in the show notes so that you can just click on it and go straight to her email if you want to share something with her. Did you know that rebuilding your life after the death of your child can be compared to rebuilding a house? You have to lay a foundation. You have to get the support beam back in place. There's the cornerstone, right? How about rebuilding the rooms one by one, like the bedroom where we rest or the kitchen where we serve others? What about the front porch of our identity and the pillars of our thoughts and our words? There's putting on the roof of hope, getting that roof back on, right? I think you get the point. My book, When Tragedy Strikes, talks about all of this. And I link it to my personal journey after the death of our daughter, Becca. And books are great. And so many of you have let me know how much When Tragedy Strikes has helped you. And a few of you have even told me that you've read it several times. Or things like you keep it next to your bed to make sure it's close to you and available to grab and read when you need something in it to help you get past something that's especially difficult or that you're struggling with. But some of you have wanted more than just the book. You want to go deeper for a greater measure of healing than you can get from a book. Or you're wanting more tools on how to rebuild your life. And some of you want to have more direct interaction with me personally as you navigate your grief journey. And if this is you, I want you to know how excited I am to be working on a course for the book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child. 
it gives you the extra help you may be looking for based on what you want and you need. The course is going to have three levels based on how little or how much input you want on your journey. The first level is for anyone. There is no charge. I want to help you. The other two levels, there is going to be a little bit of a registration fee because of my time and my input and and just what goes into making a course. So to find out more about all of this, just go to gpshope.org slash WTS course. The WTS stands for When Tragedy Strikes. So gpshope.org WTS course. There's also going to be a place on the page where you can sign up to get updates as I'm creating the course and to get an email to be in the first group of people to know when the course is available. And also if you sign up for these updates and to get the notice when the course is available, you will be sent an mp3 audio for free of one of my teachings it's called from pain to purpose so that will be sent to you automatically for free if you sign up to know more about the course as we go along and once again this link and the other things that we've talked about the birthdays how to contact lynn all of these are in the show notes on our website so to find all of it the only thing you have to remember is gpshope.org Just go there, click on the podcast link, and then click on, this is episode 16, The Fear of Grief Triggers. Easy to do that, right? And you'll have all the information right there. So with that, I want to remind you, as I do every week, to remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is 